What's shaking fire nation JLD here and welcome to episode 1843 of EO fire where I chat with entrepreneurs on fire seven days a week and it is time to accomplish your number one goal in 100 days. So visit thefreedomjournal.com and you will do just that. Now let's chat with today's featured guest, Robert Glazer. Robert, are you prepared to ignite? I am. Yes. Robert's the author of Performance Partnerships, The Checkered Past, Changing Present, and Exciting Future of Affiliate Marketing, and is the founder of Acceleration Partners, an industry-leading affiliate marketing agency. Robert, take a minute. Fill in some gaps from that intro and give us a little glimpse of your personal life. As you mentioned, I'm a founder of Acceleration Partners. I also found another business called Brand Cycle. We do a lot in the in the performance marketing space. Uh, just uh, wrote my first book and I'm working on, on my second book, uh, which we'll talk a little bit about uh, later. Um, I have uh, three kids, wife, dog. And uh, you are are my last piece of work before I head into an RV for uh, ten days. Whoa! So, uh, where are you going on the RV? Uh, going to Yellowstone and Grand cool. Tetons. That's going to be awesome. Are you on Instagram? Uh, I am not. Okay. My kids are, so they'll they'll they'll, uh, they'll be posting photos. <laughs> they'll be posting photos. Yes. Robert, what would you say your area of expertise is right now? My expertise is really uh, twofold. I think in the marketing world, it's really customer acquisition and performance marketing. How to how to consumer and even B two B businesses, you know, acquire more customers uh, online. And then I think outside of that, you know, part of how we built our company is is winning a lot of awards on best place to work and culture. And um, so I spend a lot of time on really culture and core values and leadership and how to, how to build a great company. What's something that we don't know about your area of expertise that as entrepreneurs, we really should? I don't think most people understand what affiliate marketing is or how it works. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they may know some of the, the scammy elements of it. I mean, that was part of the reason to really write the book. But it, at its simplest form, it's really creating a performance-based relationship that uh, is, is kind of win-win in nature. So if someone's selling something and someone has an audience – they agree what the rate is worth for a specific action or outcome that could be a sale or lead or otherwise. And uh, it's great for the merchant who's selling something because they uh, they only have to pay um, when uh, when they get what they want. And, and it, it's great for an advertiser, too, to be able to be connected with some of the best brands in the world uh, as a partner. Yeah, I think performance-based is a really good way to look at it, Fire Nation. I mean, affiliate revenue makes up a big portion of of our revenue on a month-to-month basis, and it allows us to not have to create everything. I can say, you know what? We do a couple things really well, like podcasting courses, journals, et cetera, but there are other people that do things really well, and instead of trying to reinvent the wheel every single time, why not go to them, see what they do really well, prove that it's a great product or service, and then we can promote it to you, Fire Nation, and if you want to use it and you love it, then we get revenue from that. So a lot of opportunities out there. And Robert, it might seem like you're on top of the world, you know, leaving for Yellowstone, the world is your oyster, but your journey is full of ups and full of downs. And I actually want to get into your journey and not just any part of the journey, but the lowest of the low, the worst entrepreneurial moment to date. What is that moment? Tell us that story. 
So two years ago, we came off a pretty bad quarter. Uh, we had a, a, a missed hire on our leadership team uh, that was a pretty bad miss and someone we put a lot of uh, time and effort into and, and it sort of just takes the wind out of your sails. And we were headed into our quarterly advisory board meeting um, and we have a great, great board. And, uh, you know, our, I guess our board could, could kind of tell based on the tone of our update that we were sort of a little uh, tails between our legs. So two, two board members actually pulled me aside uh, and asked to speak with me before the meeting. Now, normally I would have thought I was going to be fired, but this is not a fiduciary board. This, <laughs> this is an advisory board. So other than them quitting, uh, I, I really wasn't I, I wasn't sure what it was about. And they they started to sort of go in like, look, we don't want to talk about this in front of your team. But, you know, you guys have seriously lost your mojo. And, uh, you know, I said to them, look, we're 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 all we're all we're a team in this. We open book, you know let's go to the meeting and, and say what you need to say. And they sort of just said that they said, look, you guys have come in here for years and you're confident and you know, you got, you had kind of a bad quarter or two and made some mistakes and you, you, you just, you sound defeated. Uh, and, um, they kind of challenged us to dust ourselves off and, and get back to it. And look, it was, it was sort of like, you know, it was tough to take. I mean, we, we, we would sit there and got lectured for a while, but that's actually why we have, these folks around to do that. So that was definitely, a, a, I think, a gut check moment for the team uh, and and definitely the, the low point for us sort of in the last two years of the business and where things really started to turn around. So I think there's a lot that we could go into there. But, you know, something that I kind of want to dive into is something that you brought up at the very beginning, which was your missed hire. Like, what was your biggest lesson learned from that? Because Fire Nation, we're entrepreneurs, we're hiring all the time. What was the biggest takeaway that you think we could implement into our businesses and not make that same mistake? Yeah. So the two things that I've learned, I'm a big believer in the in the who process from GH Smart, and we've built most of our hiring around that. But one is have a process and don't deviate from it. Don't get excited about a candidate or whatever. And two is never never put the hiring solely in the hand of the person who really needs to hire. Um, I think those two things have have really changed our hiring process dramatically. We have a a really systematic process that we follow and we leverage a committee focus so that people who don't have a vested interest in the hire come in and give an objective opinion. And had we done that, uh, had we done that in that case, we wouldn't have made that mistake. So Robert, that was an aha moment that you had around the hiring process, but you've had a lot of great ideas over the years. What's one of the greatest that you've had recently like take us to that moment that you had that idea kind of share with us how that idea happened and then walk us through how you turned that idea into actual success yeah so almost all my best ideas happen when i'm traveling and i don't think that's a a surprise i think it's out of the norm talking to people sort of being exposed to new things so so this yellowstone trip is gonna have some great ideas coming out of it yeah my team usually runs when i come back (laughs) they're like no Whenever I tell them I went to some leadership or learning event oh. or EO event, they all hide for the next so week good. when I get back to the office, which I've heard <laughs> from a lot of them. So I've learned to fool them. I sort of keep my notes and I wait four <laughs> days so that they let down, they let down their guard. Um, but we were really trying to solve this problem at the time that like how we um, how we sort of charge people treated agency dollars and, and sort of platform and media dollars differently. And we were just having a real trouble sort of wrapping our a product in a into a service. And and I had a couple discussions with that day, that day with people about the problem from different perspectives in the industry. 
And then I was in a taxi cab that night with a couple of members of my team. We were halfway to dinner. I can visualize where I was in the street in Chicago. And I was like, I know the answer. Here's, here's what we need to do. We need to, we need to be the publisher. I get sort of into uh, a, a little bit inside baseball. But um, we actually took that idea and, and spun it off as a separate company. Um, it wasn't core to our business. Uh, however, we felt that the new business would help the current one and the and, and, and vice versa, which is usually the, the good litmus test. But one of the things that I, I had learned from, from folks in the past is that when we, we actually incubated this business within our business. And when, it, when you have the new shiny thing within the company, everyone likes it and wants to work on it because it's all the risk without the reward. And I see a lot of entrepreneurs start things new and get too spread out. And I was very clear that it wasn't run this business. So we actually had an employee who agreed to leave the company, found the business. We spun it off and we said, hey, if you want to work on this, you can go work on this and get equity and less money. And um, and then people weren't as interested. But I, I really th- felt that the business had to stand on its own. It had to have a sort of founding team and it had to have its own people who, who were going to work on it every day. And that's going to be what they got up and focused on. I think I can... I can play the sort of strategic chairman role, but I don't think you can run multiple businesses. And every time I see a, an entrepreneur who's got this thriving businesses and suddenly they're starting four different businesses, I come back in a year usually and all those four businesses are sort of shut down and their core business is struggling. So I, I, I have tried to really, you know, if I really, if I have a new idea or it's something we got, I got to find someone who can really operate that, that idea. Well, Robert, what do you want us to take away from that? Like, what is the lesson that you think that we could apply to our entrepreneurial careers? The lesson is it's really better to focus and probably do one or two things well. And that if you have, if you are great, you know, it comes to knowing your your strengths. And if you're great at ideas and seeding something, then seed something and find someone who'll be that operator and owns it and 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 and, and, and does it every day. You know, I think there's the there's a quote that um, the man who hunts two rabbits catches none. Uh, and, and, and I've seen, I've seen that to be true. Um, particularly I would say that a lesson I've learned among service businesses is that before you get to 10 million in revenue, you should really just focus. And that's how you get to 10 million in revenue with the fewest business lines possible and becoming world-class on it. And I think at that point, then you can think about expanding your product and business lines I see a lot of entrepreneurs, you know, run more business lines and products out that they have people. And I think it inevitably slows down their growth. Well, Robert, here is an acronym for you, brother. Focus. Follow one course until success. And it's all yours. Use, use away. Now, let's talk about today. We know, everybody listening, that you're fired up about this Yellowstone trip. So on the business side, what are you most excited about right now? I've been in the affiliate space for, for over a decade, and it's nice to see the market sort of move to you sometimes. And I, I, I'm really excited that marketing is the marketing industry and online marketing is finally waking up to the concept of performance and paying for outcomes and not inputs. Uh, you know, I hope my, my book is making an impact on that. But I, I think that we've had a lot of examples of people getting just all hot and sweaty and frenetic on new types of marketing things over the last couple of years and pouring millions of dollars into them to then find out they have no idea, you know, if they work. Uh, so I, I just, as you alluded to before, I just don't think performance gets old. <laughs> uh, I think you can get a new term programmatic and influencer or whatever, you know, whatever it is, but I just don't think that the concept of performance ever gets old. And that's ultimately what people are looking for. So you said, obviously there's a few ways it seems like the market's moving towards you. 
Name one. I'm kind of curious about one specific way that you're seeing that happen. And then kind of talk about how your book addresses that. Yeah. So influencer marketing, I think, is a great example. So we started talking, you know, when influencer marketing came out, uh, look, influencer is not new. Oprah was probably the first influencer. Um, but everyone started pouring money into it to the point where they're suspending all their rules and metrics and 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 just, you know, getting caught up in the in the fervor of it. And I think we kept saying what I talked about in the book that this is just another form of performance and it's going to come under the same umbrella and it's going to be measured and it's going to be held to the same standards. And that that's what we're seeing. I, I, we recently held a dinner and one of the things I like to do when we have these dinners with a bunch of CMOs is ask them, where, where would you like your money back from last year that you spent and what are you most excited about from, from about next year? And, and the answer to both was influencers. <laughs> they were they were really intrigued by the opportunity, but they were really upset at a lot of the money they had wasted and without any metrics or performance or stuff uh, in the previous year. So I think that's a great example. And, and, and the performance partnership framework is bringing all of these things that we keep giving different names to under one roof and with more brand control than having a performance program that has all these relationships wrapped up in a managerial and a technological infrastructure where you can really scale all kinds of partnerships. Now, why weren't they getting metrics? I mean, I know like for my sponsors, they use promo codes very smartly, of course. Why weren't these companies using promo codes when they were using influencer marketing? Because they were paying for placements. And so they got placements. Uh, my favorite story is I think there was someone in the Kardashian family, and this was sort of the tipping point, who posted all the instructions from the PR firm about what he was supposed to put in Instagram to to, to talk about the product in the Instagram post. Um, <laughs> and, and you know, that, that that's the problem with how, how you're paying. So people were basically paying just placement and slotting fees. And so they stole that from seeing all the brand marketing companies do that. But these were direct marketing companies. And then they realized after they paid placement fees that they had no conversion data. So I, it doesn't make a lot of sense, but people all the time in marketing start copying what they see other people doing rather than copying stuff that they know that is working. Fire Nation value bombs have been dropped. More are coming in the lightning round when we get back from thanking our sponsors. As a business owner, peace of mind can be hard to come by. For me, having peace of mind for my website is huge. I want to know my website is safe and fast because I know if my load times aren't on point or if an attack happens, that means my visitors are going somewhere else. That's why I want to tell you about Encapsula. Encapsula protects and accelerates over 4 million websites every day from individual bloggers all the way up to Fortune 500 companies. In a nutshell, it sits between your servers and your customers to protect you and them. Encapsula's custom software and servers, plus their 24-7 operations team, keep everything up and running so you don't have to worry. Get a free enterprise trial of Encapsula's services when you visit lp.encapsula.com slash 2017podcasts. That's lp.encapsula.com slash 2017podcasts. If you've ever thought about owning a franchise, then you're not alone. But have you ever thought about owning a children's services franchise? If you love music, then School of Rock is a children's services franchise you should definitely check out. School of Rock owners love their business because they get to pass the torch of musicality to the new generation of musicians within their community and operate a profitable business at the same time. School of Rock is a network of over 200 locations and 25,000 students 
students worldwide. The program gets kids up on stage and playing at real rock venues, in addition to taking them on tour, offering recording opportunities, and having them workshop with accomplished musicians. Entrepreneur Magazine even named School of Rock 2017's number one child enrichment program. Want to learn more? School of Rock has put together an exclusive download just for you. Visit franchising.schoolofrock.com. Contact the School of Rock team and tell them Entrepreneurs on Fire sent you. That's franchising.schoolofrock.com. Robert, are you ready to rock the lightning rounds? I am. What was holding you back from becoming an entrepreneur? A low tolerance for risk and, and being loss adverse. I think I I always had uh, entrepreneurial tendencies and wanted to do things differently. Uh, I just wasn't willing to take the risk. And that was something I had to uh, overcome over time. And I think that's the biggest difference between someone who's sort of an intrapreneur and sort of works within the company and acts as like the, the residents versus at some point saying, look, I, I'm willing to, to, to bet, I mean, not everything all the time, but I'm willing to bet on myself and, and, and make these bets and, and believe that I'm better off betting on myself. What's the best advice you've ever received? It wasn't like one person, but I think cumulatively I've heard this a lot and I've proven it to be true, which is just start. So the difference between entrepreneurs and I think the term entrepreneurs uh, is that, you know, entrepreneurs need to have all the answers before they ever get going uh, on anything and just think it through to death. And entrepreneurs just go and figure it out along the way. And that's what happened with my uh, Friday Forward notes and, and newsletter that I started two years ago, which just kept getting on. And I sat around one day and I was thinking about how I should do it and could it become a business? And I, I was just like, I'm just going to move it forward and see see what will happen. And now I've got almost 20,000 people that uh, receive it each week. So I, I, I took my own advice there. And instead of overthinking it, I just kept moving and got it started. What's a personal habit that contributes to your success? Definitely redesigning my uh, morning routine. Uh, you know, I got read The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod got into that. Um, I'll follow sort of the things recommended there around reading, journaling, uh, affirmation. Also created a tool uh, that I'll, you can get to one of my websites called the Whole Life Dashboard, which takes sort of organizational planning, like from Traction and Rockefeller Habits, and brings that to sort of your personal life. Uh, and I actually go over that every morning and I check my quarterly goals and core values and make sure I have picked the right things and everything's aligned. It's just five minutes a morning, but it makes sure that I'm totally aligned at the beginning of each day for what I need to do. Recommend one internet resource. Sanebox uh, has changed my life. Sort of a machine learning tool for your email that figures out what you need to read and not read and puts half of the stuff into a folder you can read once a day. It also, uh, you can snooze emails. If you try to manage towards inbox zero, you can snooze emails and they'll come back to you at predetermined times. And, and so that. that has, that has like cut my email down in half. Yeah. Cause we get stressed out when there's like an email in there where like, I can't take action on this now, but it's going to be there like three weeks, three weeks. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and I'm one of those people where if I, if I look at your iPhone and I see like 11,000 in that red dot, like I will judge you. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. And it won't be kindly. <laughs> I don't understand how you can be productive. Like, I'm, 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 if I'm, I try to get to 20 things in my inbox at the end of my day. It's my, it's basically my to-do list. Share your book that you wrote and why you wrote it. Yeah, so I wrote Performance Partnerships because I thought the affiliate industry was really misunderstood uh, and and wasn't and, and there was a lot of debates actually about 
um, what performance marketing was and wasn't. So I wanted to address that. I wanted to own some of the the, the reasons where I think the industry went off the rails a little bit, but also really lay out the future of what I think performance marketing is going to look like and how companies are going to be able to aggregate lots of different marketing partners. And I think it's going to become uh, really their biggest channel. So uh, I, I say it's a little bit like the ghosts of Christmas past, Christmas present and, and future. That's sort of how the book's designed. What what happened in generation one, kind of what happened in generation two, and then where are we going in, in generation three? Robert, let's end today on fire with a parting piece of guidance. The best way that we can connect with you and then we'll say goodbye. Find me at uh, accelerationpartners.com. And uh, I've made the first chapter of the book uh, free to your users. So that'll be at accelerationpartners.com slash fire. Uh, or you can Google performance partnerships to find more information on the book. And uh, if you're interested in getting my uh, Friday Forward Inspiration Notes, that's at fridayfwd.com. And a parting piece of guidance. Make choices that uh, are aligned with your values and your long-term goals and try to revisit those, I think, weekly, if not uh, daily. Um, so you make sure you're, you're focused on the right things per your licensable acronym before. Fire Nation, you're the average. Of the five people you spend the most time with, you've been hanging out with RG and JLD today, so keep up the heat and head over to eofire.com. Just type Robert in the search bar. His show notes page will pop up with everything that we've been talking about today. These are the best show notes in the biz, timestamps of our conversation, links galore. And of course, head directly over to accelerationpartners.com slash fire for the first chapter free of Robert's book. Kaboom! Robert, thank you for sharing your journey with Fire Nation today. For that, we salute you and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, JLD. Hey, Fire Nation. Hope you enjoyed our chat with Robert today and check out our free podcasting course so that you can create, grow, and monetize your podcast. Freepodcastcourse.com. I'll catch you there or I'll catch you on the flip side. Encapsula protects and accelerates over 4 million websites every day from individual bloggers all the way up to Fortune 500 companies. Get a free enterprise trial of Encapsula's services when you visit lp.encapsula.com slash 2017 podcasts.